Go, 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 go. Matt says go, so I'm about to go, hey. Third Shift presents The Imposter's Guide to Gaming, your quick fix for gaming news. Now, here are your hosts, Eric and Matt. Welcome to another beautiful episode of IG2G. This is episode 67. It's getting closer and closer to the end of the year. It's getting closer and closer to the VGAs. All sorts of stuff is happening. All sorts of games are being made that are out are now going to be out in the future. Things that have happened all, all over the time. I don't know. Maybe we're going to talk about time. Maybe we're going to talk about like a decade worth of time. I don't know. It's possible. Hey, guess what? Speaking of time, <laughs> you're stuck in the past, Mr. Eric, because the VGAs don't exist anymore. Oh, it's the I'll game never, awards. I'll never stop. You're, you're, I'll stuck never in, stop. you're stuck in the 20th century with Spike TV <laughs> and all that garbage. Oh, my God. I can never get away from it, uh, it's always going to be the VGAs. It is not the VGAs, it's the Game Awards. Matt is correct. Hey, whatever. It's coming up, and you know we'll be talking about it on the next IG2G, but this one we will not be. We're going to be talking about a decade in gaming. Everybody seems to be doing it, so we thought we'd give our spin, our take on you know some of the important things to us over the last 10 years. Things are important, things are not, whatever. Whatever comes to mind, we're going to talk about it today. We've got some releases, maybe some of that little Jedi stuff going on, maybe bubbles floating in your face. Maybe some mystery things on paper that Matt has for you. Who knows? Goddamn it's all right. going to be coming at you, though, in a couple of seconds. So rip up, sit down, do whatever you got to do, and get ready, because here we go. I'm ripping it up. Here we go. <laughs> oh, oh, no, my God. notes. Now you don't know what you're going to say. No. What'd you do? Number five. First up on the releases this week, we got a quickie coming in on the 22nd of November, dropping for the PS4 and Xbox One. We got Civilization VI, originally developed by Firaxis, published by 2K, and ported by Aspire, Aspire. It's A S P Y R. That's not how you spell Aspire, but I'm gonna just I'm just gonna assume that they call themselves Aspire. And it's Civilization Six. What more do you need me to say? If you love Civ, you, you play the Civs. You got it on your PC. You got it on your tablet. You got it on your Android phone. You got it on your wherever. But now you can get it on your next gen awesome badass systems. I mean, it's current gen. Look, all I'm trying to say is, if you want to play it on your PS4, or Xbox One, Civ Six is here. I've only heard good stuff about the console port, uh, good console controls. You can't get lost in all the menus. You know, they've, they do a good job of making a very complicated game that you normally navigate with a mouse and keyboard accessible here for a video game controller. It's got the classic Civilization gameplay that you know and you love, and if you don't know it, then you should play it, and then you should love it. The only issue that I've heard about is that this, this port of Civ 6 is full $60 release. Which, you know, a fair play to them, but it also doesn't include any of the add-ons that have come on after Civ 6's original launch for PC, which was, I think, two or three years ago now. And then there was the Switch port, and now there's, there, now there's this port. So I think they've had two, yeah, I think it was, I think it was two expansions so far, Rise and Fall and Gathering Storm. And if you put the cost of those together, it's 50 bucks. So if you're looking at getting the complete version of Civ 6 on your PS4 or Xbox One, it's going to be like 110 bucks, Or you can just go play it on PC where Civilization stuff goes on sale all the time on Steam. So that's that's kind of the, the only like, hey, I mean, if you literally don't have a PC that can run it, and this is probably your best bet. But if you do have a PC, you should probably get it over there. But for those people who just want to play it on your PS4 or Xbox One, Civilization VI is here with its two expansions. Again, it's kind of a, kind of a pricey bundle, but... 
from what I've heard, the expansions make Civ Six like a ton better. I mean, they always have. All the Civilization expansions have made the Civilization games a ton more playable, a ton more interesting. I've heard that's the same thing here. So if you do have all the extra scratch you want to pony up and get in here on your consoles, it's Civilization Six and also Rise and Fall and Gathering Storm. So there you go. Pick it up. Go and go and four X your way to a grand success or failure. Number four. Now, there was no way I was going to be able to give you releases this week unless I brought up Bubble Bobble for Friends for the Nintendo Switch, released November 15th, 2019, published by ININ Games, and developed by Taito or Taito, however you pronounce it. I don't know. One of those is probably right. If y'all don't know, I used to love the original Bubble Bobble. I played it when I was just a tiny, tiny, tiny little kid on my uncle's old, old PC. Well, at the time it was new and awesome, but now it's old, old, old. And then later it got ported over to the Nintendo, and that's also where I played it with family all the time. If you don't know, real briefly, it's a 2D platformer game. You take the uh, role of these two little dinosaurs, Bub and Bob, I think it is, and you shoot bubbles out of your mouth at these little baddies that come trundling down the stages at you. You get them encapsulated in the bubbles, then you hit them while they're in the bubbles, and then they go flying off the stage. You rack up points by getting all the enemies, you know, grouped up and then popping them for like combos, etc. And you gotta be clever because the, the stages and the way that's worked, you gotta use your own bubbles to kind of platform up to different spots, different platforms on said stage. Uh, there's fruits to collect to give you more points. So there you go, that's Bubble Bobble. The new one, Bubble Bobble for Friends, is very, very similar. Graphics have been updated, it's real colorful, fun, family-friendly. Instead of being 100 stages like the original one, there are now 50 stages. And it's basically the same layout, but this time around, a little less uh, up and down, and more up, down, sideways, all around. So the, the stages are just set up differently with the 2D platforms for you to jump on, utilizing your bubbles just like you once did to capture the enemies, platform around, get all those points. Once all baddies are cleared off the stage, you win and progress to the next level. In this new one, there are some boss fights for you to do. And if you get the extend extra bubbles, which are like these harder bubbles, harder things to get to, you get those and then beat the bosses, you'll get these bonus rewards that give you extra abilities like shooting your bubbles for a longer period, not a longer period of time, but a, a farther distance, stuff like that. It looks fun. It looks great. Bubble Bobble was always challenging, but not that difficult. What I like about this one is apparently there's a hard mode. After you beat it for the first time, you can unlock that. And then some of the enemies that really make things harder, who have the, you know, obviously harder abilities, etc., etc., start appearing in the earlier stages so you can have more fun, more of a challenge with just yourself or with you or your family friends. There is no online play, so you do have to come on over to that individual's house and sit down with them with a controller and have yourself a good time. There's also no PvP, which kind of sucks. But I get it. Bubble Bobble has always been a family-friendly endeavor, so it's understandable. Now, along with this new game, you also get classic old-school Bubble Bobble. All 100 levels there for you from the very first word go. You can go play that with your friends or by yourself. It's a great time. Bubble Bobble's awesome. Simple game, but fun. I recommend you check it out. And if you don't freaking believe me, let me listen to this. Yeah, 
I still know the theme song to this day. Go get yourself some bubble bobble for friends. Have some fun. Number three. Next up on the release this week. Oh, man, it wouldn't be a gaming podcast if you didn't at least talk about this one. So here I am talking about it. Even though I'm not like a big major fan of the original series or anything. What the hell am I talking about? Oh, boy. Dropping on the 19th of November for PC and PS4. We got Shenmue 3. It's finally here. Developed by NATO and EaseNet. WiseNet. I don't know. Published by Deep Silver. It's Shenmue. It's finally here. Shenmue 3 is here. Oh, my God. After years upon years of waiting and kickstarting and further funding via PayPal and all of these other kinds of things, Shenmue 3 is finally here. And what is Shenmue 3 like? Well, it's Shenmue. There you go. If you like Shenmue, then you're going to like Shenmue 3. I mean, seriously, from all the reviews that I've... I've read everything I've seen about it. It is basically just another entry in the Shenmue series. Like if you were hoping this would be like the grand, grand next gener next genification of Shenmue, that's not really it. It's kind of it's definitely a throwback to those original games. Like the graphics look better. They look way better because they're on current consoles, but they don't look great. They still kind of look like Shenmue. Like the the controls are, are a little bit 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 they're a little bit better. But they're also kind of really stiff and kind of jankety because it's Shenmue, and that's how it is. The voice acting is horrendous because it's Shenmue. That's just how it goes. Like, the fighting's a little better, but it's still kind of awkward and still not, like, the best top-tier action gaming fighting that you can get. You can still wander around town and kill time with a bunch of these weird characters, these weird one-dimensional characters. You can go to the arcades and play the arcade games. You can get the little gachapon machines. You can do all the good Shenmue things because it's Shenmue. I mean, I, I sound like I'm dogging on it, but I mean, mostly it's just because I've never been a Shenmue guy. Like, I rented the original on the Dreamcast, and I played through a fair chunk of it, but I was like, ah, this is really isn't for me. So when I hear that Shenmue 3 is more Shenmue, I'm like, oh, okay, well, that's what I would expect. But if you are a big Shenmue fan, and you've been waiting for this for a long time, you're not going to be disappointed, because I mean, it is, I keep saying it, it's more Shenmue. It's a little bit upgraded in certain areas, but it's not going to be like a, a revampification of the whole system. And I mean, you, you know, I got to mention these games anytime I can, but if you want that, you need to play the Yakuza series. Cause that's like the whole, to me, that's the spiritual successor. That's what Shenmue would have become if it continued to develop and, and move on and grow. But if you just, if you want a throwback to those old Shenmue days, playing it on your Dreamcast, playing part two on your Xbox, you need to get Shenmue three because I mean, a, it's going to continue the story and which, you know, you've been sitting there waiting on a cliffhanger for however many gosh damn years. <laughs> but I don't know. It's here. It's more Shenmue. You know, from, from people who are Shenmue fans, I've been hearing great stuff. Like, they really love it because, I mean, it's a throwback to one of their favorite game series, you know, growing up. Or back when they were still adults, but younger adults. So if you if you miss those days of the Dreamcast era, if you miss Shenmue especially, you're going to want to pick up this game and relive some of those old times. I can't talk too much to it because, I, like I said, I wasn't a big fan. And, you know, if I go into the story, well, I don't really know because I never played Shenmue 2 even, so I don't know where the story went. But if you miss those Shenmue days, if you love having those Shenmue times, pick up Shenmue 3 and have more Shenmue times on good old Shenmue days. Can I say Shenmue anymore this, this, during this release thing here? No, I can't because it's over right now. Get Shenmue 3. Okay, I said it one more time, but that's it. Seriously, right now. Let's come on, Danny. Just hit hit the audio effect. It's good. Go. 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 
Go. Seriously. Shenmue. Okay, I said it one more time. Bye. Number two. I have the pleasure of getting to talk just for a short minute about a wonderful game and I'm sure you all expect to be here. Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order released November 15th, 2019 on PC, PlayStation 4, and the Xbox One, of course. This was made by Respawn and published by Electronic Arts. It's a single-player action-adventure game. And, of course, you say Electronic Arts. Yes, they promised no microtransactions, no tomfoolery, nothing of the sort. This is just a single-player, story-driven, awesome, you know, open-world-ish game. Now, what I mean by that is that, all right, you start off... You're Cal, you're a, a Padawan who's survived, you know, the evil order, etc. Y'all know the deal. It's been five years, I believe, he's been hiding out on this trash planet doing all that. You're going to pick up right there with him and his pal. You're going to go through the basic tutorials as you learn to jump, climb things, hold on to things, move around. The action's going to ramp up. You're then going to learn your combat stuff. You're going to keep on moving and trucking. You're going to get a little bit of the story, and then off you go. Your very first mission, you're going to go to this planet. You don't get a choice in the matter. You're going to find what you need to find, which, of course, along the way, you'll find this cool little BD-1 robot droid who's going to help you out. It's not a robot, Eric. Don't be saying it's a robot, it's a droid. This little droid becomes your companion, opens up all sorts of cool little abilities, like a uh, map for you to check out, with which showcases like all your typicals on open doors, locked doors, where you're supposed to be going, that kind of thing. On top of it, he acts like a flashlight. Anyway, it doesn't matter. That's all irrelevant. It's a third-person, action-adventure, story-driven game. You do all your typical cool things with the lightsaber, having a good old time. Lots of customization with that lightsaber, by the way, but you got to unlock it through finding these chests that you'll find in these worlds. And as I was saying, the first world you have no choice, but once you're done with that, you kind of get two choices. You get to veer off to one planet or the other. Now, here's where I'm going to say things are kind of weird, because I was noticing this game's... I'm playing on Jedi Master, the one right below the hardest difficulty, and it just says that this is like the all-around average, where, you know, middle-of-the-road kind of deal. But the baddies seem to be pretty darn tough. If you don't start learning your abilities, you know, strafing out of the way, all that, you're in trouble. But here's the problem is to do your fast little strafes and all that good stuff. It requires the force power. The force power runs out super fast. So you find yourself in trouble quite a bit. And early on, I made the decision to go to one of the planets over the other. And I'm not going to tell you which or why, so that way there's no spoilers in this. But let me just tell you, if you pick one over the other, it's way more difficult. I don't think you're technically supposed to go there yet. I've been farming, which... I do sometimes on my own, but I don't recommend it overall because it starts to really take you out of the story. Because this is a good story and you want to know what happens with Cal and the team and the the people you meet up with. But I went to the other planet and now I'm over here just farming bad guys on a loop going back to my save point, which is like this little uh, bonfire like Dark Souls, you know, you go sit there, meditate, save up, but all the enemies respawn once you meditate. So then you got to go back through them all. Well, that's good and bad. It's bad because it's weird why it happens, but whatever. It's good because it allows you to farm, which then gets your force abilities up, which you're going to need up to do any kind of real damage or get by at all. Because as I said, this game does not play around. The enemies are tough, and you have to be careful with your fights and what you're doing. 
and get these force abilities up, which it's your typical trees. You got your force powers, you got your strength, and then your defense or, you know, survival or whatever you want to call it. And then you take those abilities, go down those trees, get more HP, more force power, more moves with your lightsaber, more, you know, all that good stuff. You know the teal. It's it's pretty simple, but it's also fun and awesome and allows you to customize your cattle the way you want. So along with the customization of your force powers and survival, etc., you've also got, as I said, the Jedi lightsaber. You get to customize by finding all these parts. You also get to customize the way you look. There's these ponchos you get with different colors, different designs, jackets, etc., which you can wear. Also, BD-1 can get different color schemes for his, you know, get-up. So a lot of fun customization. And like I said, it's all in-game. No microtransactions, nothing crazy or weird or goofy going on here. Let me just say... A really fun game, beautiful, gorgeous to look at, the controls are pretty fluid, everything feels pretty good, except for the fact that early on I feel that it's pretty tough and unforgiving, and you have to farm quite a bit before you really move on, unless you're, you know, maybe I'm just not that great, maybe I should be playing on a lower level, I don't know, but where I'm at right now, I'm having to farm a bit to get the abilities I need to, with my ability, keep moving forward. So that's the only negative I really have for it at the time. Maybe it's going to get a lot easier for me. Maybe once I get back to the other planet and keep going a little further, it opens up and gets easier. I don't know. We're about to find out soon. All I can tell you right now, though, it is a really cool game, really fun. You're sure you're seeing it all over for game of the year, possible game of the year, that kind of thing. I'd recommend you play it if you get the chance, or hey, you know, wait for it to go on sale, whatever floats your boat. But definitely one to keep an eye on. Number one. So last but not least on the releases this week, we got a game I should have talked about last week. But I didn't know it came out. I honestly didn't know. I was like, man, I'm trying to fill out the releases this week. What can I go to? Is there like a is there like a recent indie games thing? Like, oh, go to indiegamesplus.com. I'm pretty sure that's what it was. But yeah, indiegamesplus.com. They had a whole list of all these cool indie games. And there was something cool that's not coming out yet this year that I really wanted to talk about. But it's, it's releases. It's not pre-releases. So here's a game that came out on the 7th of November, developed by Cherry Mochi and published by Square Enix. This is this dropped only for the Switch. So, you know, get your garbage poo-poo system out and play it on your stupid dumb switch oh boy this is tokyo dark remembrance now this is a game that i believe was kickstarted and i'm not sure if it was out on pc or you know i devices maybe a couple years ago but now it's been ported to the switch this is a point and click slash visual novel hybrid and it's got some some cool like creep creepy horror themes to it but what really kind of well i'll get i'll get into what really caught my attention a little bit basically in this game you play as a detective and you're searching for your missing partner apparently he's been missing for maybe it's a month a few weeks i don't remember but as, as you as you're trying to find your partner you uncover deeper stories and it affects a case you guys were working on blah 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 kind of where what you would expect with that one but what what really caught my eye about this game is from what i've heard it's this game's all about making decisions like you can handle situations in a lot of different ways. You can interact with people in a lot of different ways. And not only do your decisions matter, but they also shape the way or shape the future decisions that you can make. Well, let me, let me kind of, let me kind of back up here because in this game, you have a, a spin system is what they call it, which you have four different stats, sanity, professionalism, investigation, and neurosis. And each of your decisions that you make affects those stats of yours in a specific way. So if you 
you know, if you're, you know, you're a detective. So if you present as, you know, professional police officer, you respond to characters in a professional and, you know, proper manner, then your professionalism stat rises. And as you get higher stats in professionalism, you unlock more professional choices for yourself to make. I, th- I think the tagline that I, that I heard was like, you shape the way that you play or you shape the game world around yourself by your choices. And to an extent, I mean, it makes sense. If you act unprofessionally and like a, like an ignorant doofus, you, you know, your professionalism and your investigation scores will drop. You won't be able to pick those professionalism and investigation type choices as much or as as well or maybe you just start getting unprofessional choices to make so it's it's really kind of cool and another really cool thing about the system is that your first play through the game your first time through you can't manually save or load at all there's just auto saves and then if you you know choose to exit the game it'll pick up right where you left off so your choices actually do matter you can't you know, you can't like shoot the guy over here and then see where that went. And they go, Oh no, I don't really want to continue the story that way. Let me exit and load it up. No, as soon as you make that decision, boom, auto save. Now you have to live with your choice. Now, I mean, that sounds really awesome to me, but of course, as you play through your second or third time through, then it opens up manual save options. So you can, you can kind of make your way through to one of the multiple endings if you want to try and get all all the different ones, now you have the opportunity to actually save, make certain choices, see where those see where those paths lead you. But your first time through, you can't do any of that. So as soon as you make a, as soon as you make a decision, boom, it's there forever. You got to live with it. You got to li- deal with its effect on you, your stats, how that's going to affect your further playthrough of the game. I mean, it just sounds fantastic. It sounds right up my alley. So from what I've heard, this game isn't all that long. So if you want to play through it again, if you're not happy with the ending you got, if you want to try and discover the true ending, because apparently there are different grades of endings. Some are kind of more of a fail state. Some are, you know, uncovering the truth of what's really going on. Evidently, there's going to be more to what's going on than meets the eye. Obviously, you have a sanity, not meter, but a sanity stat. So anytime you have that, you know, there's going to be some, there's going to be some creepy stuff. It's going to be, it's going to be wild. But I will say the graphics on this look kind of, they look good, but they're kind of clean and simple. So think of, I mean, it almost looks like a, not an RPG maker game, but that kind of like static kind of, I'm not sure how to describe it, but it's got a really unique look because it has that simple look, but it also looks really clean and the backgrounds look really cool. All the music I've heard is pretty good too. So if you if you want a, a point and click slash visual novel experience, if you want to get a little creepy, if you want to play through a, a game that's not too long in the visual novel genre and play through it multiple times and get multiple endings, definitely check out Tokyo Dark Remembrance and have a good old time. Tell them, tell them Matt sent you. Just tell them that if you if you like creepy stuff, tell them Uncle Matt, the, the ultimate creeper, sent you. No, wait, don't do that. Imposter's topic of the day. 
So you're seeing it everywhere, Matt. It's all over the flipping place. <laughs> I don't I don't even care. I was just going to say, all these millennial punks, oh, it's the end of a decade. Ten years means Listen so much. Guy. I'm old. Ten it years means, means absolutely, absolutely nothing. nothing you're to right, me. Matt. It's true. Ten years for us old folks is nothing anymore. But it's all the swill. Mm. It's all the bill. Everybody's like, oh, man, what did this last ten years bring? And I'll give them some credit because typically in ten years of gaming, you see some evolutionary things. You, you typically see something mm-hmm. big, something lasting, some huge changes, twists of fate, whatever it is, it happens. So this year, Matt, hey, we're gonna. It's a free Roman topic, so we can go go all over the place. Doesn't matter if you're cutting in and out. I don't care. I just want to go have a cool back and mm-hmm. forth on anything in this last decade that stands out, doesn't stand out. Were there any tipping points? Is there any evolutionary things going on? You know, let's let's jump into it and see what you got and what I got. Hmm. Well, I definitely had to do some research on this one because, like I said, for, ten, for me, I'm an old man. Ten years doesn't mean anything. But I thought back. I was like, man, was it like a revolutionary time for gaming? I'm like, yeah, in certain ways, like graphics have come like a long way and stuff. But to me, like the revolution was like 2000s, like mm-hmm. 90s into 2000s. That's like, whoa, in my brain. Holy that was crap. one of the big, big Games jumps. have become a thing. Yeah. Those are where the big jumps took place, I think. I think this time around, it wasn't so much about graphics as it was – uh, modes of play, ways ways you play games, because I think... To some degree, I yeah. just think, for myself, of course, for myself in this decade, it's been about the transitioning from the old type game, and, and not, not necessarily old, old, but back 10 years, but way back 10 years ago, games still sometimes had the archaic tropes of what came before. And it was like that transition to this mm. all open world, all just, you know, crazy, non, non-linear adventures, da da da. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was, it was kind of somewhere in between with all the games. It was not all there. And nowadays, I think that's just what games are now. I mean, every game yeah. you play, I feel like is, hey, look at our big worlds. You can go explore and have so much fun in this one. Woo. And look at mm-hmm. these guys with like lighting, lightning on their heads or like translucent, like auras. They've got quests. You don't have to do them, but you can. And they create a story for you. And that's like every game there is now. That's what we, that's what we play. Plus, I'll take you one further and go the Ubisoft route of, hey, every game, you got to go climb that tower and unlock the map. And once you do that, you see all the quest markers and all the side activities and all the things you can do. But you got to go to like this one area to see it all. And then you can see it all. And then you got to do it all because it's this big, giant game. And every game's got to be enormous and huge and take you like, you know, two months to beat because that's just how it's got to be. Well, that's what everybody wants with the money, you know. Along this, along some point in this decade, we've gotten into our heads that for 60 bucks, you've got to have this big, vibrant, open world game that takes 40 plus hours to beat, or it's online so you can replay things over and over with friends. Otherwise, it's not worth buying. Now, the exception comes with indies. Indies have always been that nice little niche where it's like, oh no, you can go get an indie, but it's cheaper. Guess what? You're not paying that 60 bucks. So you can have that eight hour linear adventure or whatever it is or puzzle game. Doesn't matter. But I agree with, mm-hmm. with most AAA games nowadays. It's been, hey, we need to find a way to draw this game out to about 40 hours. Yeah. Because otherwise, people go, well, it ain't worth my time. <laughs> Whether it needs it or not, I think is the point there, too. It has to be this giant thing. Well, but your story, like, it has a front and a middle and an end. 
but that's not 40 hours of story. Well, you just, I don't know, if you decide to go through it all, then, you know, just do the story, then you can. It'll be like 10 hours, which is what it should be and it's supposed to be. But let's fluff up the map with all the animals you can hunt and all the trails you can blaze and all the hootie hoo hoo And I mean, I still love all that stuff. So, I mean, I'm not totally down on all of it, but when it's all over all the time, it just and that blech, that's blech. my issue with, the, with this this decade is that I be, I feel like it's switched to that that's everywhere now. I didn't mm-hmm. mind it when one or two games did it because just like you, hey, sometimes I do want a forty eighty hour game, whatever it is. There, I just exploring mm-hmm. every corner, walking around, looking up on top of every building, doing everything. But I miss the day where I could get a game and I got a awesome story and it was given to me. One point right after the next, boom, 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 boom. Mm-hmm. You got great action beats, great moments, awesome gameplay, and the story was very, very succinct. Well, succinct, 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 succinct. Yes, there you go. <laughs> uh, hey, hey, you know what? I write it down. I never ever say that word. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's just like all these millennial kids. I never heard that word before. I saw it in a I book. Re- I know I what it, it means. A- I've read it a million <laughs> times. I've just never actually used it. Give me a break. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Why would I ever use it? I don't work with anybody who would ever even know what that even means. So it doesn't really matter. You work with me all the yeah, time. Like your whole I, life you work I with me. Do I write you letters? Do I? You should. <laughs> I you should. Okay, we should do I'll that. Start. We'll be gotcha. pen pals. Right, we'll be pen- Chet will appreciate he will. it. He's going to love, gonna that, love that. that. There will be nothing wrong with that. Exactly. Anyways, doesn't matter. Yeah. I miss the days of the games where you were given that story and it stayed focused on the story and allowed you to stay immersed in it instead of how it is now where it's like, hey, here's the core story. However, Jimmy over here has got the thing for you. You want to go do Jimmy's little side quest? And then, oh, Tammy, she's so angry. Her her soap bottles are missing. And if you could go out there in the forest and find those soap bottles, then she's going to give you this really cool stick that could later get you this really cool sword thing. And you're going to want that. But you don't have to. You could just you could beeline if you really want to. But you're going to kind of suck and this game ain't going to be that fun for you unless you go do Tammy's soap bottle quest and Bobby's and Ricky's thing over here. And, and then all of a sudden, you don't know what you're doing. The story kind of falls apart. You don't actually care anymore. Now you're just like, well, I just need to do all these so I can get the Sword of Xavier. That way I can go overpower this boss up here. Uh, it's no longer like... I'm Richter the Dragon Slayer, and, and King Galerius has me doing this, and I'm freaking in it, man. This dude, he killed my freaking fa- family, my wife, and I want to get him, and it stays on it. None of it happens anymore. None of it. It's mm. every game I play is just like, hey, this is super serious, except go spend three months doing this side stuff over here, and it's fine. You can get back mm. to the story. It'll be there. He's just going to stand there at that point over there. See that mountain entrance? He'll just be there for three months. You you can get him whatever you want. It's not a big deal. I hate it. Well, hey, goddamn, Eric, <laughs> if you want to stay focused on story, it's time to go to the next Do thing it. that came up in this last decade of gaming. Now, now I'm going to preface this by saying... And like I said, I had to do some research, and I was like, oh, who's talking about decade in gaming? I went, do, 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 and Polygon was there, and they went, oh, the nine genres that redefine the last decade of gaming. And I was like, looking through, I went, crap, crap, nope, crap, garbage. And then they went, hey, walking simulators. And I went, okay, I, I could see that for the first part of the decade, because walking simulators came around, and there was the big backlash. Oh, man, walking simulators, all you do is just walk around and get a story told to you. But I think if you evolve that concept a little bit more, there's a lot more 
narrative focused games and it's okay for that to be around i feel like that's a big change that's happened over the last decade of gaming now obviously we've always had rpgs jrpgs with big long involved stories but now especially if you look at the indie space you can have a lot of games where the gameplay is you just walk to characters and talk to them and you can have deep involved meaningful stories and not have so much gameplay so i feel like that's a big thing that's come around and you know maybe it's it's not on the AAA space, but there's a lot more, you know, narrative-focused games. There's a lot more visual novel-type games, and obviously I'm speaking from experience because those are games that really appeal to me, like the Danganronpas, the Zero Escape series, Steins Gate, that's all visual novel stuff. But I feel like, especially in the indie space, that's kind of become like a, a genre of itself. It's a narrative game. Like, I'm sure you can find narrative-focused in the tags on, on uh, Steam, and find millions upon millions of games on Steam. So I feel like while certain games, and the big games, have gotten bigger and bigger and bigger, a lot of the the, narrat- the indie space has dialed it way down into that narrative focus, where just going, getting, getting a good story is more important than having you know the biggest, hottest gameplay, the freshest graphics, the best sound, all this other stuff. And I feel like that's an important change too, because it's to, like you can make great stories with next to no resources. You can get RPG Maker and make awesome games. Little Red Lie, which I played last year or the year before, outstanding, crazy story, crazy experience I could have never had in any other game I've ever played. And it's it's there now. You know, pe- creators can make that kind of thing. So to me, that's that's another big, I don't know about evolution, but maybe like devolution, like stripping down of the video game formula to its essence. Here's the story. And that's acceptable now. At least, hey, at least it is for me. I love it. It's f- great. So hooray well, for me. I would say there's a niche for it. Uh, I would like to see it expand more. I think I think when that whole walking simulator thing occurred, the bigger names started putting more quick time events and such into theirs, and it kind of wandered off. And now it's just more of an actual regular old game nowadays with mm. companies doing that kind of thing. And I think, like you said, a lot of the indies kind of went, like just like you said, way down into just this weird, weird, weird visual novel type world. I wish you'd get back to the happy medium. I liked it. Well, <laughs> I you say, got I that. just like a good. Where do I got it? <laughs> you got that happy medium in stuff like The Walking Dead, the Telltale yeah. games, all the Telltale exactly. games. That's perfect. You get a little bit of gameplay, but the focus is, is the on story. the characters and the story and your dialogue and the choices, interactions your dialogue. with each yep, other. Exactly, mm-hmm. yes. And that's what I loved. I love that. But Telltale's gone. And with it, we haven't really seen too much come up and take its place. Well, hey, if you were listening to me in the releases, there's, there's kind of something going on right there. Oh, man, that's that's oh, a hook for here we what go. you already heard in the episode. That's what you, <laughs> did you hear that? You better go back and listen again if you want some of that. <laughs> but I feel like, yes, Telltale themselves are gone, but even in bigger games that you know maybe aren't like the stripped down narrative games you're getting a lot more choice and your choice and your dialogue matters a lot more and i think that's Uh the influence of that telltale narrative explosion that was there for a few years and now it's gone but i feel like people are like oh look people actually do care you know when people play telltale games it pops up like "Ooh, steve will remember that like in your real life head you remember doing that and, oh, mm-hmm. people liked it, so hmm, let's try and put dialogue choices and narrative actions in future games. So I feel like the, the effect is still around, even if the actual piece itself is, is gone forever. 
Well, I'm glad it's there, and I hope it stays, because, as you mentioned, it is something that came along this decade, and I do think it's a great way to tell a story, a great way to make a game, mm-hmm. and I'm interested in it. I love novels. I love reading. So when you mix video games with reading, that's perfect. Mm-hmm. I just, I would love to see... I just love to see it go further to where you're really in it. Almost like you're reading a book, but at the same time, the story is being told up here. And then the critical moments, like you said, all get choices. So you're over here just like, oh, you know what? I don't want to I don't want to team up with this guy. Screw that. Get him out of here. And then, boom, repercussions story changes. And all of a sudden, mm-hmm. all the scroll work changes up. And, all just, and because of you casting him out, you know what I mean? That mm-hmm. would be awesome. And then above, it's just showing you the parts that happen. Maybe throwing something quick time here and there. But I'm not a real big fan of a lot of quick time stuff. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to go into story mode, it's for me, it's all about just the choices. Talking with these people, looking at the environment around me and going, oh, that's really suspicious. That's weird. Why is this dude standing here over here and he, he hid the knife over? It's fr- that's funky, dude. Let's just kill this guy. Get out of here. Don't worry about it. I don't want all these quick time events like, oh, chicka, 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 oh, triangle, triangle, triangle. Oh, I appreciate it sometimes, but that's not, that wasn't my shtick. So, yes, mm-hmm. Walking Sims, fantastic. And I know you were over here going, oh, yeah, all the rest of this garbage. Walking Sims is the only thing. You cannot deny, Matt, Battle Royale is a huge, huge thing that came out of this decade. I 100% deny that because I played no. one for like a month and then I went, this is dumb. I hate it. It doesn't matter whether you deny it. This mode, this type of gameplay, is here forever. It, it will never go away. It will, it's not going to stay a focal point. It's not going to stay its own entity. But I promise you, every single PvP shooter game for the rest of our lives, until we're into some weird, I don't know, even when we're in 3D realms, whatever, we'll have a Battle Royale mode to play in. I promise it. I don't believe it, because Overwatch 2 doesn't have it. So why Overwatch will everything? Two, why will everything Overwatch, have it if if Blizzard doesn't have now, it? Now, if you don't know anything about Blizzard, here I'm gonna give you a little lesson. Blizzard takes about fifteen to twenty years to catch up. They're they're living fifteen twenty years ago, right now. You gotta give them fifteen twenty years, and then they'll go. Oh, you know what? Then battle royales. We could probably do it better, huh? And then they're gonna come up with some weird game that takes battle royale. Things and keeps moving forward. With it. So what you're gonna, what you're telling me is that once Battle Royale has died and the Earth was salted and it's, it'll never become again, then Blizzard will go, hey, look, remember this thing that used to be remember cool? this Battle Royale and then that it'll used come to be back. its own game that was just a focal point. Yeah, we're bringing it back. Look at this, but it's now, never going to leave a yeah, mode. It's no, never going to leave it'll a go. mode. It'll I go. Promise it's you. a fad. It's a fad. I, Nobody cares right about here, it. Fortnite anymore. Right here on IG2G, I'm willing to put a thousand dollar bet. That ten years from now we will see battle royale in gaming still. I think that's a, that's a shitty bet, Eric. I don't think so. All right, thousand dollars. Ten years from now, battle royale will still be a mode in the PvP genre. It's not going to matter because we'll both be dead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I promise it. You don't like it, but it ain't going away ever. So yes, I, I got to give a quick note to. I don't even like battle royale. I'm just telling you the facts. It's, it's going to stick around, but it ain't going to stay a separate game. You'll see it forever. It's very important. Something that came around. It's a phenomena. It's made hundreds upon hundreds, hey, maybe thousands, I don't know, people rich from playing mm-hmm. it and being good at it. It's got esports tournaments everywhere. Twitch basically has made gajillions off of these types of games. It's something you can't deny and you can't ignore. 
that's happened in the last 10 years. So I just got to give it a shout out. Well, hey, speaking of things I hate that came around in the last 10 years or so, how about survival mechanics, survival games, survival hunger meters and craft the things and make the things. Oh, you start off as a naked guy on a weird planet or in a forest or something, and you got to craft your way to survive and don't starve. Yeah, don't starve. That was what's good. Yeah, don't starve, Minecraft, anything like that where it's got survival mechanics in it. You don't hear about it so much anymore. Maybe like five or so years ago, it was like the biggest, biggest giant hotness in the whole world. But that's something that definitely came around. Now games that don't even, you know, didn't even have that are getting those those modes patched in. Oh man, here's the survival mechanic. Oh, we happy fuse got it in there. You can crank that up or down all all you want. So I feel like that's that's something that maybe it's not as notable anymore. But that's something that definitely came around in the past past decade had a big inf- influence on gaming at least at the time, and still sticks around to some degree in different kinds of games that I might get into in a second here. But that was something that popped up in my brain of just, you know, that for at least two years, that was like every single indie game was, oh, it's survival this, survival that, space survival game, prehistoric survival thing, blah, 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 blah. Survival mechanics, man. I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. I'm dirty. I got to build a hut. I don't know. Whatever. It's not for me. I don't care. I hate that shit. Hey, whatever. I've covered I've covered the genres and things for me that I think are important. So mm. that that for me is good to go. If you got more, go at it. I personally though want I'm curious about some games, Matt. So Well here, I'll give you a genre and a game because I, I'm not I was never a big fan of the genre until I played the game. Boom. How about roguelikes? There's all roguelike aspects. You have stuff like I mean, Dark Souls is basically a roguelike, but not really. It's got the aspects to it. You get stuff like, you know, Crypt of the Necrodancer, Enter the Gungeon, the game that started it all for me, FTL. When you start playing that, you're like, oh, this is an awesome, like, kind of choose-your-own-adventure kind of procedural world, and then you find the giant ship event. You get destroyed. You go, f*** this game. I hate it. You smash your keyboard, but then you go, man, maybe just one more run. And you spawn your ship in, and you go through all the different events again. You know, it's all a totally different run from last time. And it starts feeling good and feeling right, and you get all your power-ups, and you, you get your ship all badass, and you make it just a little bit further. And then you go back, and you start with more resources, and you go a little bit further and further and further, and it just gets addictive. And even though you, even when you have those awful runs, you still want to get back into it. So for me, roguelikes are another big thing that's come around at least in this past decade, I would say they've they've come to the the forefront because PC dorks have been able to play roguelikes for ages, but I don't think anybody cared or talked about them so much until the last ten years. Well, that's what everybody says. Oh, roguelikes have always been around, and everybody goes, "Oh, since the days of Rogue, and we all played that." Nobody fucking played that because it was a PC <laughs> dork game. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, you're right. You're right. No one's really played them or cared about them, really, until the last 10 years. But now they're here. Now those now ele- here, elements are they're in. On, yep. Now that it's been absorbed into normal games and it's all over the place. And now they can actually be fun and themed about around really cool stuff. Like like I said, I mentioned Crypt of the Necrodancer. It's all about moving to the rhythm. You know, rhythm-based movement and gameplay. Enter the Gungeon. It's like a bullet hell that's also a roguelike. So you, you, can, you can put that in with all these other genres and stir it all up. They make a really awesome stew, and I think that that's something that's... That, hey, you said it. It has come around in the last decade, and it's something I really love. Maybe not like all the time, but every now and then, I want to I make a few runs at something really hard. Well, and I would say, 
keeping with the theme of some of these genres that have come around and then adapted different styles. One of the games, and it's on a lot of lists, but it's on a lot of lists for a reason, and it is on mine. It's Mass Effect Two. Okay. That game took it's got the it's got the choices it's got mm-hmm. the you know the options to have certain players get on your team don't get on your team romancing dialogue that changes the course of what you're you know what you're going to be good bad how you operate how you handle everything how you go about your story it takes all that stuff and it takes the uh, the open world where you can venture around on your ship doing all sorts of cool stuff the normandy it takes all that puts it into one awesome package and then it's got a cover-based shooter, which that's a whole other thing with Gears of War. And yeah, that's true, true. <laughs> you know, so it takes a lot of different things that have come around in the last 10 years and really just made a beautiful game. I mean, a masterpiece of a game. And that's one of the titles, I think, that you could come back to at any point in time and go, in that, in that decade, that game took pieces of all the things that were popular and cool in that that, that area and that time frame and mm-hmm. put it together and it's basically a masterpiece it's fantastic and it's better than one like hand foot leg over one so <laughs> sorry sorry anybody likes one so, this is too bad they killed the series <laughs> after that it all just went down the poops <clears throat> three was still good. That was what you, three, like three different flavors it, of ice cream. Yeah, and Mass it, Effect three, what? as in th- only three different endings. We got. Oh <laughs> my God! <laughs> Shush, <laughs> Brett. Stop telling <laughs> me about the. <laughs> it wasn't about the ending. The destination never mattered. The journey <laughs> was the only thing it was about. And no, I think no, three I'm t- still I'm telling had you, fun. man. I'm telling you, man. My femship would have kicked that little hologram baby thing right in its face. Would have blown up its core. Would have would have ridden a robot skeleton out into space. And right into the sun, she would have she she wouldn't have picked three endings. No, oh, get out of here. Man. Anyway, I'm done talking about Mass Effect. Mass Effect Two is pretty good. How about a game that and a game and a game type that came around? Sure, it was like exactly ten years ago. Like right now, as we're recording this, so it started at the end of the last decade. Uh, League of Legends and MOBAs. That was the <laughs> I biggest knew you were game. Get League of Legends in there. <laughs> hey, you can't say it's, it's no. Huge. It's, no, you can't. It's one of the biggest to. games in the whole world for at least a big chunk of the past decade. And obviously I got sucked into it really hardcore for a good long while. And I mean, it's it's still going strong, not as much as it had been, but that's something that started off, I mean, it started off like how you would think like uh, hero shooters have. Oh, there's another genre. Who are your hero shooters come along mm-hmm. the tail end of this past decade? But it started off small and it built up and it built and built and built and refined itself. And each season there were major changes and new additions. They just had a graphical overhaul you know, quite a few years ago, adding new champions all the time, new ways to play, new modes. They've even got like the baby mode now, team fight tactics. If you can't hack it at the big dog, now you can play the baby mode game. So that just shows you how big MOBAs are. Like everybody wants to play, well, maybe not everybody, but you know, the impression. Everybody wants to play League of Legends, but I can't hack it. Well, I can play the baby mode of it too. I can play uh-huh. Heroes of the Storm where I don't have to worry about anything and it just upgrades everything for me. It's it's so big. It's it's fun. It's big. It's influential. People want to play these kinds of games, and now there's ent- now they're making entry levels for you to get into it. I mean, that just shows how big an influence it's had on gaming as a whole. Yeah, and it's of course personal for you too. Yeah. Because I've been sitting here and I've been thinking. I'm like, you know, I, I could keep going with games that are like like matter matter, mm-hmm. but. You know what game matters to me the most, man? Don't you f***ing say Destiny 2. If you say Destiny 2, I'm going to punch you, punch you no. in the face when we go to... Dead okay. Space 2, Matt. Dead Space 2. Get out know? of town. All right, listen. God listen bless. to me. Listen to me. 
I'm going to bring Dead Space up forever in every way possible until I cannot anymore. All right? God, the podcast breaking up. Discord now, see, issues. Here's, here's, a, here's a touchy thing, and I, this will be real brief, because after this I don't really care anymore <laughs> what games are out. That's a matter Dead Space will get to. Dead Space 1 came out 2009, I think it was. So technically that one, you know, right before 2010 doesn't really mm-hmm. qualify. But I want to bring it up because the best one, Dead Space 2, did come out within the last 10 years. And it revived that genre. It was a genre that had come and went in a previous decade mm-hmm. and had completely died out and then was brought back. And because of the success of Dead Space, we started to see other genres or other titles come back around in the survival horror, which kind of it kind of changed and went to like Outlast and uh, what's some of the other ones? Those the Outlast type games, Amnesia, Amnesia that kind of. It it went in that way instead of staying in the old like Resident Evil two, uh, Silent Hill fashion because Dead Space was more of a draw on that. But I think the the sense of dread and fear and just the fact that you were not not a warrior and you were stuck trying to get out of this crazy facility, having to use you know an energy cutter that's made for doing stuff on ships to kill bad guys. That whole idea, I think, took hold and went in a different direction. Mm-hmm. So, A, I'm tying it in because, first off, it's my favorite series ever. And secondly, I think because of how awesome and successful Dead Space 2 was, it got survival horror back on the map and then brought about this whole new genre that came out, which, like I said, was the Amnesia Outlast, that just straight-up survival Mm-hmm. You know, game type game. So you know, there you go. That's you know, those are the only two I've really cared about forever. <laughs> All these other games, open world, go explore, blah, 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 blah. So. Well, here if, if we're talking about games that we like as 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 a way to close it out for the last ten years. Yes, yes. I'm, I'm gonna say, and people people might say, who hey, who who, because some of these are like very recent that I've played them. Uh, Metal Gear Solid Five that took the Metal Gear Solid formula, the stealth game formula, made it fast and fun like it's fun to sneak around you are so you're so you actually feel like a super soldier you are freaking deadly when you're going around but you still have to be stealthy but even when stealth breaks you get awesome combat options you get options to counter what enemies are doing you you actually feel like the kind of solo badass who they would drop into enemy territory and go around and you can take out whole 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 areas whole platoons it just it just it's the perfect to me. It's the perfect version of stealth gameplay because you do have to still be stealthy, but you don't just sit in the grass and watch the enemies go back and forth until you you find a way to run between them. You can take them out if they find you. You can shoot your way out. It's it's perfect in that way. Another awesome game over the past few years. Oh, Witcher Three. That's going to be a classic. Witcher Three and all its DLCs. One of the best RPGs I've ever played in my whole life. And just the perfect distillation of, again, two, two different things. You have your fantasy RPG, but you have all the choices. You have all the dialogue. You have characters that you form bonds with in that game or you make enemies with based on your choices. You, and you affect the actual world that you're living in. Based on what you do, this whole town might be raised to the ground. Everybody over there might freaking hate you. You know, you can make... You can make the war go certain ways, and you know, to certain aspects. You can't overthrow the whole game or anything, but you can make those narrative decisions that make a real difference and affect your gameplay. And 
God bless going on a hundred plus hour ride with Geralt and living his life and meeting all his characters and finding a either a good or a bad or an, or an in the middle ending for him. Absolutely fantastic. I mean, it puts me in mind of Red Dead Redemption Two. I mean, that's again super super recent, but that's a game that I think about on at least a weekly basis, and I think, man, I miss that character and living in that world and making him exactly what I wanted him to be. He looks like how I want him to look. He uses his own guns. His, his horse is, you know, I named the horse. You, you make that world your own. And so it's, it's so much more than just, oh, I'm a cowboy running through and I shoot this guy and did that side quest and did the main quest. No, you become that character and you live that character's life. So that's another one. And if I have to close on one last one, I'll say one that actually made it in Polygon's list. I flipped through it, and like I said before, I went, crap, 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 garbage poop, never going to remember it. Papers, Please is one of those indie games that I feel like that, that kind of happened around the start of the decade, maybe around 2012. I can't remember. But anyway, it's a small indie game, narrative-focused, but the survival elements that are in it, you have to make narrative decisions that affect other people in order to improve or or cause risk to your own situation at home. And I can't really explain it well without people playing the game or, or watching a good amount of it, but the fact that you, the actions you have to take to balance your station in, in this country that you work in, in the position that you live and your survival of that of you and your family versus the people that you interact with on a daily basis. It's just, it's really... It's really impactful and really emotional at a lot of times and really, really just it's something that I, I can't see occurring in any other decade than this past one where that narrative pop up has, has really blown up, where choices matter, where survival things come around. Oh, I, every time I see something on it, I want to go back and play it again and just, just live in that dark, bleak, oh, man, it's great. Love it. Papers, please. Get it. Play it. Everybody play it. There you go. You've heard him talk about it before. It's on his list. He's going to remember it forever. Coming out of this decade. That's right. For that matter, what are you guys going to remember out of this decade? What big things you think are going to carry on forevermore from this wonderful last 10 years? What games are really going to be remembered or change the way everything was done? We want to hear from you. This is something that you can talk about forever. It can go on forever, but that's not what this show is about. So you let us know what you guys think and what you want to hear about we're all ears. But with that, it's time to roll, Matt. It's time to wrap it up. Imposters wrap up. So, yes, tell us what you were thinking about in the past. What are your games of the decade? Just send that to us. What are your games, genres of the decade, your games of the decade? Send that to us via email at info at thirdshift.me. Tweet it at us at thirdshiftme and find us on Facebook going to Third Shift. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Woo, Matt. Gosh bless you. Look at you going all along like that. Indeed, you can find us there. You can also find us over on Patreon. We treat it just like a tip jar. You like what you hear, like what we're talking about, hey, consider heading over there and throwing us $1, $2, or maybe that coveted $1 million, in which case we'll open up the Food Lion, where Matt will have a whole aisle dedicated to babies and jars. We there might even is. have the whole... He's him. got it up there. There it is. We got the soon-to-be patented cold cocks. We're going to have so many koi fish. It's going to be crazy. We're going to have a mascot, all sorts of things. Y'all know the rigmarole. Consider it. If you can't throw us a buck, though, hey, we understand. You can support us in so many other ways, like the subscriptions over there on Twitch, follows on Twitch, mailbag questions, any kind of feedback. We love it all. We appreciate every last bit of it because it keeps us motivated and coming at you full 3D. 
Absolutely. And of course, this podcast drops every two weeks on Tuesday. So we'll be back in your rear holes on the 10th of December for our very next episode, the Game Awards Prediction Special, where we'll be wrong about every single thing we ever talk about. So you can find that episode on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Podbean, on Spotify, and on YouTube. And as I always say, if you like what we're doing and you'd like to help us out, please give us a like, a rating, a review, a comment, a subscription, any kind of good thing on any of those good services because it does help us out. We really do appreciate it, and that's how we do it. Woo, indeed we do appreciate it. We also appreciate those five-star reviews that gets us up in them charts and people are like, oh my God, it's Third Shift, it's a IG2G, it's all those guys. We got to listen to this and then boom, all of a sudden everyone's there and then we get the guy or gal who can donate a million dollars and we're rich and we're opening up the food line and everything's mm-hmm. great. That's how this stuff works. So consider heading over there and throwing us them five-star ratings. We really do appreciate it, as Mr. Matt always says. And with that, there is nothing left to say except for... Don't forget to save. Don't forget to save. Save the dad. <laughs>